let's be honest. The story of the prodigal son makes us all a little uncomfortable, yes? Everything about it is cringeworthy. It's so awful to think about a child coming up to their parents and basically saying, you might, I wish you were dead. So why don't you just give me everything that you would give me if you were dead? Even worse is the thought of that parent giving that child that payout and then, and then the kid goes and no, does not start a business, doesn't even get involved in multi-layer marketing. He just goes and spends it all, just blowing it. Drugs, parties, stuff they didn't need, prostitutes, squandered. His entire inheritance from his not-yet-dead dad. He not only spent it all, but then he ended up homeless. It was just a waste, a complete and utter waste. The friends that had been attracted to him by his flashy wealth were gone as soon as the money was, so he had no job, no family, no place to stay, nothing. The only job that he could get was feeding pigs, which if you remember, in the first century, for someone in the Jewish community, pigs were unclean. So feeding pigs was like the lowest of the low job. It was awful. He was so hungry, he decided that, you know, maybe he could just eat the, the, the rinds that left over for the pigs, the old husks, but no one even offered that to him. After all that depressingness, he got a flash of hope, an idea. Maybe if he went back to his father's house, he could be a servant there. He knew that the servants there at least got three square meals a day. They lived in a safe place. They would be clean. So he returned home. And this is where the story gets weirdest of all. He returned home. This no-count, ungrateful, irresponsible, awful son, after disgracing himself, disgracing his family, disgracing his entire community. But when his dad saw him, he did not call the police and get him for trespassing. He did not cross his arms and wait and see what this child is going to say about what he has done. No. The man ran to his disgraceful son, embraced him, clothed him, and then threw him a party, cooking up the fatted calf, which was reserved for the most special parties. It was the Wagyu steak of the first century. The son did not deserve even a civil welcome after he left, telling his dad he wished he were dead after he took so much of the family's resources and flushed away on nothing, after he drug his family's name and his own in the dirt, to make it even more unfair, his brother, the one who stayed, the one who never so much as, as rejected one of his father's commands, he never even got a few burgers to celebrate with his friends, let alone a Wagyu steak. And he had to watch all this unfairness happen. And when he confronted his dad about it, about how messed up it was, his dad just said, your brother was dead, and now he is alive. All that I have is yours. Be happy. 
celebrate this. This is the story of the prodigal son, and it's kind of awful, sort of however you look at it. In my sermon preparation this week, I realized that I've never heard the word prodigal used anywhere outside of speaking to this particular story, right? So I thought, I wonder what that even means. So I looked it up, and the word prodigal means wastefully extravagant. Someone who misuses resources or having or giving something on a lavish scale. And one of the example sentences was, I have a prodigal amount of whipped cream on my pie. <laughs> Which I'm going to use that. I would like a prodigal amount of whipped cream on my pie. But after looking at this description, I felt like a better name for this story would not be prodigal son, but prodigal father. The generosity that the father bestows upon the son is so lavish. It's wastefully extravagant. Lavish to the point of being misused. Because that's the problem that we all have with this story, right? That it is completely unfair. That this guy does not deserve what is coming to him. And yet Jesus uses this as an example of what the kingdom of God and God's grace is all about. If we translate what Jesus is saying into how we feel about this story, then we realize that we have a few uncharitable thoughts about God's grace. If this is what God is talking about, when God offers up redemption and reconciliation and new life, we have a bone or two to pick with that. It could be done better. These people simply do not deserve this. They should at least prove that they have changed first, right? They need to demonstrate adequate repentance. Go through some motions to go a different way. But as I told the kids earlier, this is what grace means. That's our name here. Grace. And as Lutherans, it's what we're all about. It's what defines us theologically. We, as Lutherans, believe that grace always comes down, and it does not require reciprocity. It doesn't require us to jump through any kind of hoops. It doesn't require us to be some kind of person. It doesn't require anything. It just comes down to us in unlimited prodigal supply, abundant, lavish, wastefully, extravagant grace kind of like the incredible work that y'all have done on these trains and dresses. A prodigal amount of glitter and sequins and beads. It's amazing, and they're beautiful. We are invited by the gospel this morning, but even more compellingly by the very nature of God to live in this unfair, upside-down world where lavish, extravagant grace rules the day. And not just the day, but all of our destinies. What would it look like for us to live in this prodigal grace? What if we started when we looked in the mirror? What if we started by not beating ourselves up for our worst days, for our failures, for our mess-ups? for the places where we just don't quite add up? What if we remembered 
how God has welcomed us as we are. And then we're given space to heal and become new creations without the guilt and self-hatred that so often can accompany our lives. We could use all of that energy for goodness and healing and joy. So many of us are trapped by ourselves. We are our own worst enemies. Stop. Let go. Let go into the flow of that prodigal grace. God can do some amazing things with you. What if we continued after we made peace with the grace that we received and we started looking at others with that same prodigal lens? What if we realized that we didn't have to judge anyone? That's not our job, as it turns out. Unless you're actually a judge. In that case, you can do that at your work. But not anywhere else. God has that job. And yet we see, as an example in this story, what God does when God has an opportunity to judge. And that is give space for healing. That means love that has no boundaries. We are all extended grace that is given by a prodigal God. Extravagant, over the top, really unnecessary, to the point of wasteful, but beautifully wasteful. May we inhabit this prodigal grace in love for ourselves, for others, and for the world. Amen.